Clinical Issues by Mary J. Ogg Counting Procedures Question. When the RN circulator is out of the room interviewing the patient, can two surgical technologists perform and record the count? Answer. AORN does not recommend that two surgical technologists perform and record the count. The recommendation is that the counted items should be viewed concurrently by two individuals, one of whom is the RN circulator. Accurately accounting for items used during a surgical procedure is a primary responsibility of the RN circulator. The RN circulator plays a leading role in implementing measures to account for surgical items. During the initial count, the RN circulator actively participates in safety measures to prevent a retained surgical item by performing a room survey for open countable items from a previous procedure before conducting an initial count, verifying that the count board, for example, whiteboard, and count sheets do not contain information from a previous procedure, initiating the count, viewing the surgical items being counted, recording in a visible location, for example, the count board, the counts of soft goods, sharps, and miscellaneous items, and recording instrument counts on pre-printed count sheets. During the initial count, the scrub person participates in safety measures to prevent a retained surgical item by counting surgical items in a manner that allows the RN circulator to see the items being counted, verifying that the count board accurately reflects the counted items, and maintaining an organized sterile field according to the healthcare organization's policy. There should be minimal variation in how different scrub persons organize the sterile field. When possible, the initial count should be conducted before the patient enters the OR to allow the perioperative team to focus their attention on the counting process without interruptions from patient care activities. Two team members, one of whom is the RN circulator, should concurrently view and audibly count the surgical items. Additionally, the World Health Organization and AORN recommend that the same two individuals conduct the counts throughout the surgical procedure. Greenberg and others conducted a prospective observational study at a large academic medical center to evaluate and describe accurately the rate and type of discrepancies that occurred during surgical counts. Trained observers documented prospective field observations during 148 elective general surgery procedures using a standardized form. Data collection focused on the performance of the count and the frequency and outcomes of discrepancies. The researchers found that counting activities involving a personnel change of either the RN circulator or scrub person resulted in a three-fold higher risk of count discrepancy than in procedures with no personnel changes. Attempting to limit staff member handovers during a procedure involving counts to ensure that the same team is present for all counting activities may have the potential to reduce the likelihood of a retained surgical item. Future research is needed on standardizing information transfer during unavoidable handovers. When conducting the initial count before the patient enters the room is not possible, a second RN circulator may assist the primary RN circulator with either counting or patient care, depending on the clinical judgment of the primary RN circulator. For example, the primary RN circulator may be dedicated to patient care 
while a second orange circulator and scrub person perform an uninterrupted baseline count. The risk for count discrepancy as a result of distraction during the initial count, with a patient present in the room, should be balanced with the risk of having different individuals perform the count. The risk for count discrepancy may be minimized by having standardized, consistent counting practices. Fall Risk Assessments Question. Is it necessary to perform a fall risk assessment on surgical patients? Answer. The new AORN, Guideline for Safe Patient Handling and Movement, recommends that the perioperative RN evaluate the patient's risk for falling during his or her preoperative assessment as part of a healthcare organization's fall reduction program. A fall risk assessment is an evaluation to identify the patient's personal and environmental risks for falling, which is an important step in preventing patient falls. If the patient has been admitted before surgery, the fall risk assessment should already be part of the patient's medical record and available for review by the perioperative team. The perioperative team should develop an individualized plan of care for the patient based on the fall risk assessment. In a systematic review of 14 studies, Cho and others analyzed the effectiveness of multifaceted interventions to prevent falls in adult hospital inpatient populations. The researchers found that the most frequently implemented approach to fall prevention was evaluation of the patient's risk for falling and, when possible, modifying fall risk factors. They also found that nurses' clinical assessments are a significant and clinically meaningful predictor of the patient's risk for falling and a means to reduce hospital inpatient falls. Perioperative patient falls can occur in all areas of the perioperative suite, in both ambulatory and hospital settings. Preoperative medications, anesthetic agents, lack of familiarity with the environment in which the care is provided, sensory or perceptual deficits related to the removal of hearing aids or glasses, and the use of elevated stretchers and OR beds may place the patient at an increased risk for a fall. An unsteady older adult patient may fall in the preoperative area when trying to go to the bathroom unassisted. An unsecured and unattended patient may fall off a fracture table during an emergence from anesthesia. Perioperative patients may be at risk for falling when they are transferred to and from the stretcher or wheelchair. They are transferred to and from the OR bed. Their extremities are lifted, held, or maneuvered into position. They are positioned or repositioned on the OR bed or specialty bed, for example, fracture table, spinal table. They are placed into or removed from positioning devices, for example, stirrups. Or the position of the OR bed is changed, for example, Supine to Trendelenburg. In the post-anesthesia care unit, PACU, a patient may fall while trying to move from the stretcher to a wheelchair for discharge. Injuries from falls can result in pain, soft tissue injury, swelling, ecchymosis, lacerations, fractures, head injury, functional impairment, disability, or death. The physical consequences of a fall may contribute to an increased length of hospital stay, a need for rehabilitation, and increased health care costs. Patients who have fallen also may experience emotional consequences, such as anxiety, depression, or a fear of falling again. Perioperative team members caring for patients who have fallen 
also may experience anxiety and guilt. In addition to the physical and emotional consequences of a patient fall, there are financial consequences as well. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services considers a serious injury resulting from a fall to be a never event and no longer reimburses hospitals for the additional costs incurred from preventable complications of falls and fall-related injuries that occurred during a hospital admission. Although there is no specific fall risk assessment for the perioperative environment, the following items are risk factors identified in multiple studies related to hospital falls in general. The preoperative fall risk evaluation should include an assessment of the patient's age, history of previous falls, medication use, for example, preoperative sedatives, level of consciousness, for example, alert, lethargic, ability to follow directions, for example, cognitive impairment, language barrier, sensory impairments, for example, vision hearing, physical limitations, for example, spinal deformities, level of coordination or balance, ability to move independently, for example, limb weakness, amount of assistance required, toileting needs, for example, incontinence, frequency, need for assistance, and presence of external devices, for example, catheters, drains. The Best Practices Guideline from the American College of Surgeons National Surgical Quality Improvement Program and the American Geriatric Society includes the Morse Fall Scale. The Morse Fall Scale is based on six items, with each item receiving points based on the patient's assessment. Point scores range from 0 to 125, that is, low risk, less than 25, moderate risk, 25 to 45, high risk, greater than 45. The assessment items include history of falling, secondary diagnosis, ambulatory aid, for example, cane walker, presence of IV therapy or heparin lock, gait, for example, normal, weak, impaired, and mental status, for example, oriented, forgets limitations. Church and others conducted a retrospective study to describe the characteristics, risk factors, and outcomes for postoperative falls of patients who were admitted to the hospital for more than 23 hours after surgery. Patients who fell within 30 days of their surgery were considered to have experienced a postoperative fall. Researchers categorized the falls as either patient-related or environment-related. Patient-related causes included the presence of delirium, disability, weakness, dizziness, loss of balance, and falls that occurred during patient transfer or patients rolling out of bed. Environment-related causes included slipping on wet or soiled floors, tripping on medical tubing, and malfunctioning assistive devices. Preoperative factors significantly associated with falls included advanced age, 64.2 plus or minus 10.9 years, functional dependence, an American Society of Anesthesiologists physical status classification of three or greater, albumin level, 3.3 plus or minus 0.9 grams per deciliter, hematocrit, 3.89% plus or minus 7.3%, and the need for emergency surgery. 
intraoperative factors associated with falls included longer surgery, 183 plus or minus 146 minutes, and increased blood transfusion requirements. The authors concluded that postoperative falls can lead to significant morbidity. Recognizing fall risk factors can help in the design of a postoperative fall prevention program by identifying patients at the highest risk for a postoperative fall. In addition to performing a preoperative patient fall risk assessment, it is important for perioperative RNs to assess the perioperative environment for fall risks, update the perioperative team's knowledge regarding the risks for patient falls, and implement preventative strategies to reduce the risk for patient falls. The Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality has outlined universal fall precautions in their Preventing Falls in Hospitals Toolkit. The precautions are universal because they apply to any patient regardless of his or her fall risk. The precautions that may be adaptable to the perioperative environment are familiarizing the patient with the environment, for example, location of restrooms, demonstrating the nurse call system and keeping it within the patient's reach, installing sturdy handrails in the patient restrooms and hallways, placing the OR stretcher or patient bed in its lowest position, locking the brakes on the OR stretcher or patient bed, providing the patient with non-slip footwear, keeping floors clean and dry, cleaning up spills promptly, and decluttering patient care areas. Mobility Assessments Question. What is a mobility assessment and how does it differ from a fall risk assessment? Answer. A mobility assessment is an objective evaluation of a patient's mobility. A patient's mobility status determines his or her mobility, handling, and the use of safe patient movement technologies. The new Guideline for Safe Patient Handling and Movement recommends the use of a standardized assessment tool to evaluate the patient's mobility. A mobility assessment provides preoperative baseline information for communication to the postoperative caregiver, for example, the PACURN. Examples of standardized mobility assessments are the Timed Up and Go, Tug Test, and the Banner Mobility Assessment Tool, BMAT. Although the mobility assessment may be separate from the fall risk assessment, it also may be an integral part of the fall risk assessment. Assessment of the patient's mobility status, for example, level of coordination or balance, ability to move independently, is an important component for evaluating the risk of falling. The TUG assessment is part of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Stopping Elderly Accidents, Deaths, and Injuries, Study Tools and Resources, and is a quick way to assess a patient's mobility. To conduct the TUG test, a stopwatch, a standard armchair, and a marked distance of 3 meters, that is 10 feet, from the chair are needed. The patient should wear his or her regular footwear and use a walking aid if needed. To perform the assessment, the patient sits in the chair. When the examiner says go, the patient stands up, walks to the line on the floor, returns to the chair at a normal pace, and sits down again. The examiner uses a stopwatch to time the exercise from the word go until the patient returns to and sits in the chair. Any patient who requires greater than or equal to 12 seconds to complete the tug test is at risk for falling. 
the examiner should observe the patient's postural stability, gait, stride length, and sway. He or she also should note whether the patient exhibits a slow tentative pace, loss of balance, short strides, little or no arm swing, use of walls to steady him or herself, a shuffling gait, and block turning, that is, keeping the neck and trunk rigid, requiring multiple small steps to accomplish a turn, or improper use of an assistive device. Evidence of these effects may signify neurological problems that require additional evaluation. The tug assessment and other study tools and resources can help with screening, assessment, and interventions to reduce a patient's fall risk. The tug assessment form is available on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website. Nurses develop the BMAT for use by the bedside nurse to identify the safe patient handling and mobility technology needed to move, position, or ambulate the patient safely. The BMAT consists of a four-step functional task list that identifies the mobility level of the patient, which is determined by whether the patient passes or fails each assessment level. An abbreviated description of the four assessment and mobility levels follows. Assessment Level 1 assesses cognition, trunk strength, and seated balance. Patients who fail the tasks of Level 1 are considered Mobility Level 1 and require the use of a total lift with a sling, a lateral transfer device, for example, friction-reducing device, or an air-assisted device. If the patient passes this level, the care provider then assesses Level 2 tasks. Assessment Level 2 tasks examine lower extremity strength and stability. Patients who fail the tasks of Level 2 are considered Mobility Level 2. If the patient is unable to bear weight on at least one leg, he or she requires the use of a total lift. If the patient can bear weight on at least one leg, he or she requires the use of a sit-to-stand lift. If the patient passes the tasks of Level 2, the care provider then assesses Level 3 tasks. Assessment Level 3 tasks assess lower extremity strength for standing. Patients who fail the tasks of Level 3 are considered Mobility Level 3 and require the use of a non-powered raising or stand aid, but may default to a powered sit-to-stand lift if no stand aid is available. Use of a total lift with ambulation accessories and use of assistive devices, for example, cane, walker, crutches. If the patient passes level 3 but requires assistive devices to ambulate, or if the cognitive assessment indicates poor safety awareness, the patient is a mobility level 3. If the patient passes the tasks of level 3, the care provider then assesses level 4 tasks. Assessment level 4 tasks assess standing balance and a gait. At this level, the patient should exhibit a steady gait, good balance, and safety awareness, and should require no assistance. Based on the nurse's clinical judgment, supervision during ambulation may be needed. If the patient displays signs of an unsteady gait or falls while being evaluated, he or she is lowered to a mobility level 3. At Banner Health, Greeley, Colorado, the nurses complete the BMAT in the electronic health record upon patient admission, once per shift, and with a patient status change. 
The BMAT is linked to the fall risk assessment in the electronic health record and is one part of the Safe Patient Handling and Mobility Program that includes staff member awareness, education, patient assessment training, prevention of patient falls and healthcare worker injury, and achievement of better patient outcomes. As part of the Veterans Health Administration's Safe Patient Handling and Mobility Program, the patient assessment assists the healthcare team in selecting the safest equipment and techniques for patient handling and mobility. Key criteria to include in the assessment of the patient's mobility include the patient's ability to provide assistance, the patient's ability to bear weight, balance, and advance feet, the patient's upper extremity strength, the patient's ability to cooperate and follow instructions, the patient's height and weight, the patient's medical or cognitive fall risk, special circumstances likely to affect transfer or repositioning tasks, for example, abdominal wounds, contractures, presence of tubes, and orders or physical therapy recommendations that relate to transferring or repositioning patients. For example, a patient with a knee or hip replacement may need a specific order or recommendation to maintain the correct angle of hip or knee flexion during transfer. The goal of the patient mobility assessment is to improve safety for both the patient and the healthcare worker. The mobility assessment is important in the perioperative setting for communication and transfer of care. If a patient is unable to stand and bear weight preoperatively, the PACU nurses require this information to alter the plan of care if needed. With the mobility assessment and transfer of care report, the PACU nurses will be aware that the patient cannot stand and bear weight if they did not do so preoperatively, and that assistive devices will be needed. A patient mobility assessment and fall risk assessment are different, interrelated tests. Knowing a patient's mobility status will help with fall risk prevention, and knowing that a patient is at risk for a fall will help determine his or her mobility status.